But if Cuomo keeps discussing we only should take care of New York and doesn't think country-wise, he's going to have a harder time trying to get the country to back him if he's going up against Trump in, let's say, 2020, if that were to happen somehow magically. I guess everything is possible. I just don't know necessarily if it's probable. And one of the things being noted is that the hospitals in New York are definitely, definitely dealing with large concentrations of patients and makeshift morgues and everything else. And then came the story from the Anchorage Daily News. Hospitals across the U.S. consider universal do not resuscitate orders for coronavirus patients. And I said, oh, seems some people are asking the tough questions that a lot of people don't quite understand the pandemic brings. We have seen in Italy that they say to people over 80, yeah, uh, we can't help you. Now they say to people over 60, yeah. We can't help you. The idea of this universal do not resuscitate for infected patients would exist regardless of the wishes of the patient or their family members, meaning that a hospital wants a universal do not resuscitate to supersede the wishes or the living will or the general uh, uh, legal decrees of the patient. The patient wants to be saved at all costs. The hospital is saying the cost is too high. The answer is no. Well, somebody has coronavirus and they're having trouble breathing. There are only so many ventilators. What are you going to do? Now, these are the questions that we are going to be forced to answer. And many people don't even want to discuss. Oh, Tony, don't be ridiculous. Don't be ridiculous. Here it is in front of your face. Clear as day. I reached out to doctors. I reached out to doctors everywhere who are frightened beyond belief at the very concept, at the possible uh, theory of this, right? Doctors asking, wait, you mean to supersede? Now, maybe if they have no written directive, this is the directive that holds for a hospital. But if somebody has a directive, the hospital's going to say, sorry, we don't care. We've decided you're too far gone which happens all the time in socialized medicine, but certainly not what we think of. And then the question got turned around on me. This actually happened yesterday. It comes out of sequence, but follow me here. My brother, the good Dr. Katz, he says to me, what happens when they tell me I have to start taking care of doctors in New York or start taking care of patients in New York? He's a doctor down uh, in, in Georgia. Picture the scenario. You don't have enough healthcare workers to deal with all the influx of people, the tens of thousands of people who have coronavirus. You certainly don't have enough ventilators. And as been described to me by doctors, not anybody can just work a ventilator. Not anybody can just understand the system of how this works. This takes serious work. It takes a skill set. It takes training. You don't just train up on it overnight. So now you, you have everybody in these areas at max capacity. So you call for volunteers. We need healthcare workers to come to New York to help. And certainly some people say, I have the time, I have the ability, I will go do. And some people, well, they, they have a family that they can't leave. Some people are doctors and uh, their mother is, is ill and they need someone nearby. You know, she's got a little bit of the, the dementia and she can't, she can't get around so well. So they have some people who volunteer, but it's not enough. What happens when it's a crisis and the country says, you're a doctor and you're a doctor and you're a doctor. Get on the bus. We're shipping you to New York. You take care of these eight patients. Otherwise, 
we take your medical license. Oh, I'm sorry, is this an imaginary situation? You have people who are dying. You have people who are sick. You have a healthcare system that's overwhelmed. And my brother, the good Dr. Katz, asked the question, what happens when he gets conscripted? A la the military, into providing medical service. And someone said to him, whatever happened to do no harm? And he responded the way a rational person responds. I agreed to do no harm to my patient. I did not agree to be the slave of the U.S. government. Yeah, it's, it's in the family. <laughs> we're, we're, we're all kind of fantastic. Are we prepared for the questions that come? Are you prepared to have a hospital tell you, yes, we know uh, that, that your father wants to fight, but uh, we have a universal do not resuscitate. Uh, we need to clear out the bed. So if he could just make it quick and just say his goodbyes already, that'd be great. Oh, he can't really breathe, so maybe you can write him down or just whisper him quick. That'd be terrific. Are we prepared for what comes next when you need more healthcare workers to take care of people, but you don't have enough healthcare workers, so you need healthcare workers to go from point A to point B, but not enough of them volunteer? These are not make-believe thoughts. This is what happens in a pandemic. This is what happens in a crisis when the government decides they know how they're going to do things. You no longer get to decide whether you have a choice about living and other people don't get to decide to choose where they work, on whom, or how. How we deal with a crisis, how we handle ourselves in a crisis, matters a great deal. I'm not trying to scare anybody. I'm not trying to be negative. I am interested in engaging these conversations so we are prepared when they come. Because they have come. I'm Tony Katz.